Thank you so much for being here today. Today, we have the pleasure to be talking with Daniela Paredes, who is the co-founder and chief experience officer at Gravity Sketch. She's a designer bringing science, design, and engineering to propose a more natural way to communicate 3D ideas. Daniela has been named one of the most innovative women in the UK and she enjoys breaking barriers and continuously seeks to generate an impactful change in the world. Daniela has transformed the design workflow by creating Gravity Sketch, which is a tool that puts the user at the center of the creative process, enabling the physical and digital worlds to converge. Gravity Sketch has allowed companies like Adidas and Volkswagen to communicate in 3D and expand their creative power even farther away. Thank you so much for this interview, Daniela, and let's jump into it. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be talking to you today, Daniela. Going back a little bit back in time, let's go to the place where you were a university student. Why did you decide to pursue innovation design engineering? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, my bachelor's was on industrial design. So, and then my master's was in innovation design engineering. And so I've always been a very hands-on person since I was very, very little. I always wanted to make things. I would always collect, you know, like rubbish, the toilet roll, uh, you know, the ends of it and like just make things. I was always making things. And so I knew I wanted to study something that would allow me to continue creating. Um, but then I didn't really know that design existed. For me, it was like, I thought that only art would allow me to continue making, but it was kind of weird because I would say, I want to study art, but I don't feel like an artist, but I want to make things. So I'm going to study art. And then at some point uh, in life, when I was about 10 years old, um, a friend, uh, a sister's friend, um, she, she was making a chair at home. So I went to her house, she was making a chair. And I thought, I asked like, why, what, what are you doing? And she told me that was her homework, which I thought that was the most amazing thing I could like see and hear in the world. And so that's when I learned industrial design existed. And from there on, I decided I was going to be an industrial designer. I was going to make things for a living. Um, and so when I, it was time for me to go to university, I decided to go to industrial design. Um, and, you know, my understanding of industrial design changed quite a bit. And I got really interested in problem solving and really trying to figure out what the best solution for a situation, a problem um, a person was having or our society was having, like what was the best solution there? And so because of that, I realized that I needed a bit of extra skills to be able to not only design something but completely disrupt what I was trying to propose um, and just kind of like come up with with something different and so that was what led me to my master's degree at the Royal College of Art and Imperial College which is innovation design engineering and that course was meant to combine design and engineering and kind of like make you create innovation, solve really big world problems by combining those two ways of thinking. And I think in a way, those two ways of thinking are all, are naturally meant to be together. Like for some reason, society and the world has kind of like made them separate, but they're, they're the most creative fields there are, right? So by combining them, that's when you basically produce magic. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm so happy that you bring this forward. It's very relevant. I, at some point in the past, I was a part of a panel discussion for a university in Hong Kong speaking about the metaverse. <laughs> so I had this opportunity and the students, one of the students, uh, actually organizers, raised the question, why you as an engineer became a designer? And uh, that was an interesting question for me. Inside myself, I was thinking, oh, they actually are not transitioning, you know? Inside, I was thinking, I'm not going from engineering to design. I'm not changing my profession. But it, but it seemed that there was that understanding. And for me, that was interesting. For me, engineering was design, and design was engineering. <laughs> and uh, usually, we see them separated. I'm al always, you know, like trying to explore these fields and, and try to understand why all of this happens. But this is very interesting. And uh, that innovation design engineering master's, actually, if I knew that had it, that existed, maybe I would have taken it. It sounds super interesting because it's... um. It's like when you, we try to separate the words that happen in 3D, for example, for me, even if it's, uh, if it seems um, enterprise, it has an element of art when, when the design is happening for me. So that is something that sometimes is not very well, you know, understood um, in, in, you know, in the, in the general, in the field. So that's a very interesting. Thank you so much. And now going a little bit more into, into what happened later. Uh, how is that you and your team came up for this project with this idea? I, I bet you brainstorm other ones, but why this one? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good uh, question. Actually, it, it started in that master's degree. So we, it was our, our graduation project. And so basically we could do whatever we wanted for, for, for project as long as we could, you know, it was solving something important for the world and we could, you know, prove that it was feasible and so on. And so the thing that really got us interested at that point, it was 2013 and the 3D printing hype was just getting started and you know, everybody was talking about, you know, people are going to be 3D printing things at home. They're going to be designing them at home. And all of us, we were four, uh, four friends that, um, were in the team. And all of us had a lot of experience creating 3D models and to actually 3D print something, you need to build a 3D model. And we thought this future is not actually real and it won't be real if the tools that you have to create 3D models don't become any easier because even us as experts, it was, it was very hard to communicate, like to make the computer essentially do what we had in our heads, right? Like that's a challenge. So that was kind of like the starting point. We didn't really wanted to create a software for 3D printing. So we decided to take a few steps back and, and really try to understand what was the issue here. And the issue was that we all have three-dimensional ideas in our heads, but it's really difficult to bring them out to the world. Whether you need to be, um, you know, really good at perspective drawing so that you kind of like understand by yourself, like the ideas that you have or get other ones, like other people to understand those ideas. Or you have to be really good at 3D modeling in the computer or you have to be good, really good at building physical models. And so it, it is really hard if you think about it. So we decided that at that point we were going to do something about it. So it never started as a, you know, we have a VR headset, 
let's do something with it. It was more, let's try to get people to communicate their ideas in the quickest and most intuitive way possible, almost as if they were pulling the idea out of their head. That was the starting point of the project. And it was, it was a design process. So there was a lot of research around how people think when they're going through a creative process. Uh, we did a bunch of interviews, interviewing architects, many different types of designers, um, you know, looking at design studios from different fields, you know, like footwear, automotive, workshops for wood, like how are people making and communicating? Um, but then at some point in our research, we, we found this very, very interesting theory that's called the theory of multiple intelligences by Howard Gardner. So it says that we all have nine different intelligences. So kinesthetic, mathematical and logical, spatial, linguistic, among some others. And the people in the creative fields are really, really strong in spatial intelligence. However, the software that we usually use to create is heavily based on linguistic, logic, and mathematics. And so that was kind of like the next ingredient for our, for our project. And it was essentially became the backbone of our project. So let's do something for spatial intelligence people. Let's, you know, like use that as the, as the main point for all of the experiments that we were going to be conducting. So that was kind of like the, the, like the beginning of what Gravity Sketch was going to start to be. Um, then we brought something really kind of like interesting into the mix, which was, okay, people are spatial intelligence in this, like intelligent in these creative fields, but who else is creating in space? So we decided that we were going to go and interview dancers who also create in space. And one of the really interesting things that we found was that dancers also sketch. So we saw that they had these little notebooks with stick figures just to, you remember the dance moves when they were, you know, planning a choreography and so on. And that got us into a very, very interesting conversation around how do, how like that humans are very like naturally visual communicators. We understand the world visually. Like we, you know, we have examples from cavemen representing things on the walls, but also we understand, you know, the changing seasons by how the tree leaves change and so on. Like if you think about it, written language is very, very young compared to how how long we've been on Earth. And so that at that point, we decided that sketching and like really visually representing something was going to be a, a really key, important ingredient for the experience that we were going to be creating. And so from all of that, we started making experiments. They were all no tech experiments. They didn't have any technology at all. And like, all of, like I can go, like we don't have enough time to walk you through all of the experiments, but essentially one of them um, was the main one that it was a, a cube of acrylic. It was layers of acrylic. We would come to a person, tell them, uh, think about the three-dimensional shape. Now slice it in your head. Now draw each of the slices in each of the like little squares of acrylic. Then stack them back together. Put them put them together, and then move it around. And then you're going to see that shape take shape. And so it was actually really successful. Then we thought, okay, let's make it bigger. But then it became really cumbersome. But then we thought it would actually be really cool if you only needed one layer of acrylic. You would sketch move the layer and leave that stroke floating in space. 
And that's when technology came into the picture. So actually Gravity Sketch started being an, an AR software and not a VR software. And it was a tablet, this layer of acrylic, it was this tablet. You would sketch on it and with the AR glasses that back then, 2013, we were working with a military company in France doing headsets because nobody was doing AR at that point. And, and that was it. That was our project. Then it became viral. Um, and in a way, like so many people were asking to use it. They really wanted to be able to create spatially that we decided and took it upon ourselves and as a mission to really make it happen and really bring this experience and this easy way of creating and communicating to the world. And so, yeah, that was, that was how Gravity Sketch was born. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, I'm very glad that you actually mentioned how the research part, how do you approach it, and this overall concept design, how how was um, undertaken. Thank you so much for uh, emphasizing on that. So who were the first users of this first prototype? Was it, um, you know, in the school or who were these first uh, people who tried and, and, and contributed? to 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 make it you know spread more the world on gravity sketch well the first te- like the first people that we were testing with were were our colleagues like the classmates that we had at school but then when when we graduated and we decided to to do a company out of it we we decided to put it out to the world and just get people that we didn't even know to start using it and to start giving us feedback and to start trying to understand if that if this was actually a tool that would help them get further in their process. And this was something really important for us. And it was the, the, the birth of the Gravity Sketch community, which is a really strong community right now. And it's because we, we knew that the, the, the best experience was not going to come from our heads. The best experience was going to come from everyone's heads, every creative person, every every designer, every person that needed to be communicating a three-dimensional idea, being able to use Gravity Sketch, give us feedback, and then we would take that and bring it into the Gravity Sketch experience and try to make the tool even better. And that, from the very beginning, was our approach. So we just put it out. It was really, like, if we the other day we were looking at the... Um, at the prototypes, like some videos that we had, like from back then, and like the first versions that we released to the world, they look so bad. I mean, like we, we remember them with love, but you know, like if it has come a really long way, but we were like, we didn't care. We just like added some like random buttons and the interface wasn't like, you know, perfect or anything, but we knew that the most important thing was to get it in the hands of people and start getting that feedback. And little by little, it would get better. And that's how we continue doing things in Gravity Sketch. We just, you know, continue iterating, 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 moving fast, because we know that, you know, we need that collaboration with the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're such a great inspiration for the community because many members of the community are have a background in design. So maybe UI design maybe product managers, et cetera. Um, I understand you had like some sort of love for furniture design, you know? Of course, as a designer, you love different type of designs. But how someone with a background of design and who is willing to maybe create an experience or app or something like that, like a tool like you, 
uh, can approach this without maybe, for example, initially knowing how to code. So in other words, my question was, how was also your experience as a designer? And then having to integrate this technology that requires the coding part to make all of this work. I think it's, I mean, it's part of what you were talking at the beginning about, um, you know, that combination between just in a way, like if you're a designer, you're, you're not supposed to be doing this or it's hard for you to do it. Or if you're an engineer, you're not supposed to be doing this or it will be hard for you to do this. I think a lot of these things are mental barriers that we have. And now maybe, maybe back in the day it was like it was true and it was more real that these barriers existed. But nowadays tools to create are really diverse and like they're, they're also really, really accessible and they're getting easier and more intuitive to use. So that's one side of things, right? And then the other one, there's so much information out there. Like you can learn, you can learn anything on YouTube, right? So the fact that those two things are happening, it just allows you to go out and try to find the best tool. At the end, it's kind of like tools or materials, the same way as how you would think as a designer, if you're a furniture designer, you would go and like buy, buy wood and you would use the, you know, the bench saw to like cut something. It's the same, like you're making a digital product, go and find your materials, go and find the tools that you need. So more concrete, um, for Gravity Sketch, Back in the day, we didn't really know. So Gravity Sketch is built on Unity and we didn't know that, that Unity existed. Um, it was a, it was a teacher that told us back then. This was 2013. So now it's more known, but back then it was kind of like, you know, still not like super well known, not like not for the design, uh, design industry. Right. And so he told us that this existed and we thought, okay, let's go and give it a go. And obviously it was a bit hard at the beginning to like learn the interface and like get your head around some of the, you know, yes, you need to learn a bit of coding, but it's not kind of like you're not learning Chinese or anything. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, codes that already exist that you can be copy pasting them and you kind of like, you know, so there are ways for, designers to start jumping into into doing a bit of coding to start prototyping their experiences um, to get them to a point where they can actually start getting feedback or they can get more people on board enthusiastic about their idea and maybe at that point you know maybe you do need to bring some expertise around engineering that they can take it to the next level but then you already have something like you can you can do a lot by yourself at the beginning yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, especially for the emphasis in in how we need to learn to break the barriers of the preconceived notions or standards on how isolated apparent fields of knowledge go or educational fields. We are free to actually break those barriers and make our own, you know, paths. So usually we think, yeah, in, in this, uh, that they go separated, but this is great. Thank you so much. So recently, I'm so happy for you guys, for all the team at Gravity Sketch and all the beautiful community. You were able to raise in Series A, I believe, um, around $30 million in investment. Yeah. This, this would be the question of, Going back then, the first time that you started raising funds for someone like to be inspired, the, the community, how somebody approached 
maybe the 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 process of requesting money or raising money how what are the difficulties and and how did you do it so it was it was really hard at the beginning but I think nowadays, <laughs> if you're doing something in VR or, you know, XR, um, it's still going to be a bit challenging just because it's still kind of like an emerging technology. And so, you know, people are still a bit doubtful about it. And so you can imagine in 2014, that's when we started racing, you know, like nobody wanted to actually invest in us. Like they said that, you know, come back in 10 years when these technologies are actually there. And this was eight years ago almost. So they were not off. <laughs> they were not wrong. They were off for maybe a couple of, of years. Um, and so if you're doing something in the VR space or, or, or yeah, mixed reality and so on, it is going to always be challenging. So the thing that you need to always keep in mind is that what, like not... Do not think about your project, your company that you're starting to build, the experience that you're starting to build as a VR experience or a VR company or a VR tool. Like, what is it that you're trying to solve? What is it that you're trying to bring to the world? And why is that needed? And why is that important? Like, really framing why that, like, that thing that you, that you, that you're creating really deserves to be in the world. That's something really important. And so it doesn't matter in which platform it is. Like the fact that you know why it needs to exist, that's the most important part. And because of that, then you need to really understand who's actually going to be using it. And sometimes it's hard to know that, right? And you have to be doing a lot of experimentation and a lot of testing. And sometimes it doesn't work for like in this direction and then you find a different, you know, industry to tackle and so on. Uh, but at least you have to have some sort of understanding on the experiments that you want to be doing in terms of who do you want your users to be and how are you actually going to be reaching them? How are you going to put your idea in front of them and what's going to make them at least try it and eventually fall in love with it and so on. So I think that's the most important part like at the beginning when you're trying to raise investment is really trying to like really understanding all of that because you will go to someone that has very, very little time and listens to many ideas every single day. They have very little time and they want to get all of this information really quickly from you um, so that they can make a decision again really quickly to, li to continue listening to your story. So you have that, like the value Who is it for? How are you going to reach these people? Then you already have at least a long way um, down into like being able to get further conversations. Also, if, you know, we're speaking to designers predominantly in this podcast, and if you're a designer and this happened to me and, and, and my co-founder, we, we were very product oriented. And so in a way you need to snap out of that. The product is amazing and like the features and like, you know, it does this thing and it does this other thing and so on. But they also need to hear all the other things. Like why, how are you making a business out of it? So always think that you need to balance like, you know, how awesome your product is, but also with the other more like market side of things. Mm -hmm. This takes me to this other interesting question that I have, which is, For a designer that starts as, you know, a project, which is a small, right? Like it's a small project. How then 
has been your evolution into an entrepreneurial role? Because even the best designer at some point when the, the mission starts to grow, then it's inevitable that it needs to be seen also as a business, right? So in order to grow, like the people that, that is going to be using it, um, how did you step into that role? What were the challenges, um, the, the entrepreneurial now side of things? Yeah, I mean, especially as a designer, you <laughs> you you think more about again the product and about the users and about learning about them, which is like on its own, like very very important. But then you also need to get like you know take a few steps back and really think a bit meta, like a bit big picture, and really define what your mission is. What is it that you're trying to do for the world? And, you know, really set, you know, for us, we set, um, you know, product principles, the philosophy that we have inside of Gravity Sketch, um, because at some point, if you're an entrepreneur, first, you're going to be doing it by yourself or with a team that's the founding team, and they will go in the journey with you and everybody knows where you're coming from and what you're trying to do. But as you start growing your team and as you start growing your user base, the if you don't have these things well-defined, if you don't have kind of like... The, the essence of what your idea, what your company is, it's really easy to get lost and to get feedback and for your product to go in a very, very different direction. And suddenly it's like this thing that it's not really what you wanted to do, but, and it's also something that already exists somewhere else, but somebody was trying to tell you that you needed to make it as well. So really make sure that you know why you're doing things and like, and, and be super strong about that without I'm not saying that you shouldn't change things or like, you know, as you go along the way of entrepreneurship, you're going to be learning a lot of things. Um, you're going to be learning about, you know, the business side of things, how to sell, how to create a business model, how to do marketing for your product and so on. Um, as you start speaking with users, with customers and so on, you're going to start learning why it's important for them. What are the features that they don't really need? What is it, the thing that they really love? What's helping them get further in whatever they're trying to do with your product? And so it will evolve, but it needs to evolve with an essence, with, with some kind of like hardcore like essence that it's built into the entire company. Because then when you start bringing more people into the company, they will be able to adopt and really join and really be enthusiastic about that mission that you're, you're like, you know, into. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that insight. That has been super great. So one of my last questions would be maybe what type of books, materials, movies, etc., have been very interesting for you that you'd like to share with someone? It's a little bit from your personal side. What what would you like to share? Well, I mean, it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like a whole life of experiences. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say um, in terms of books, some books that have really helped me along my journey. I mean, the, the, the really obvious and typical one that everybody like recommends, which is the Lean Startup. That one, I think it's mm -hmm. one that gets you like going with, with just kind of like thinking a bit different. Um, then there's another one called um, The Hard Things About Hard Things. Um, uh, that one is actually quite good. And I've, I'm actually reading it for the second time right now. And after like so many years of reading it back then, it's it's very different how I'm like understanding everything that it says. 
Then um, there's another one that's called building a, a story brand, um, which well, that one is quite good because it just gets you to understand. Sometimes we're thinking about like our product and it can be do, doing so many things. And like, how do we explain it to people? And we say like, it does this and this and that. And it's like, you know, you're just kind of like overwhelming people. And this one just really walks you through how like, choose one thing. Like, what's the one thing that you want to communicate to your audience? Um, And then more design oriented, like there's one that I really love, which is, um, and this is if you're looking to do products that are truly, um, truly inclusive and are thinking about everyone in the world. Uh, or so like being able to be used by everyone in the world. There's one called Invisible Women that I really, really like. It just gives you a lot of details or explanations of like how, why the world is built like it is and how it hasn't really considered women <laughs> to be living in it. Um, and then another one is The Shape of Design, which is, it's more kind of like design faced uh, and oriented but uh, yeah I would say those are quite good books <laughs> that's super great thank you so much Daniela I guess if everyone is getting you know in contact want to download the app etc uh, could you please let us know where they can find it or they can get a hold of you or, or the team etc maybe business purposes yeah, definitely. So they, everyone can download Gravity Sketch for free on the Oculus store and on the Steam store. Um, so, you know, if you have a headset, you can go and, and download it. You can also download the iPad version for free on the iPad if you have iPads. And if you're looking to get in touch or join our community or, you know, start getting to know a little bit more about Gravity Sketch, um, join us on Instagram. It's Gravity Sketch only. Um, and you can also join us at our Discord, um, at our Discord channel. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll place all the links in, in the description of the episode. Thanks. Is there anything that you wish I had asked you today, Daniela? No, I think you've asked pretty good questions. Um, I would say, I mean, I would just leave it like this. If, if, you know, people that are listening are looking to, build something in the, you know, like in the VR space or, or, or in the, you know, XR space, um, or just put something out to the world, just like really just put it out to the world, just create something simple, start testing it out. And that will be the best way for you to progress your design. Because at the end of the day, we are working in a very different space. You know, we're all used on using, to the interfaces on our phones, on the computers, like we know how they should behave and how they should look like and so on. But the spatial computing space is very, very new. And so it's it's really awesome and it's really cool that you can just jump and like try to define what these rules are going to be for these spatial interfaces. But the way, way to do it is just to start testing with people. Yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Daniela, and thank you so much to anybody who is listening to this episode. You know, we love you so much. If you like this episode, please consider it sharing with your friends or family or whoever you feel that it needs to listen to it. Thank you so much, and bye for now. Thanks. <laughs>